Chapter forty nine of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Wintry Storms A Halt and Council Cantonment for the Winter Fine Hunting Country Game of the Mountains and Plains Successful Hunting Mr. Crooks and a Grizzly Bear The Wigwam Bighorn and Blacktails beef and venison good quarters and good cheer an alarm an intrusion unwelcome guests desolation of the larder gormandizing exploits of hungry savages good quarters abandoned the travellers encamped for the night on the banks of the river below the cataract the night was cold with partial showers of rain and sleet the morning dawned gloomily the skies were sullen and overcast and threatened further storms but the little band resumed their journey in defiance of the weather the increasing rigor of the season however which makes itself felt early in these mountainous regions and on these naked and elevated plains brought them to a pause and a serious deliberation after they had descended about thirty miles further along the course of the river all were convinced that it was in vain to attempt to accomplish their journey on foot at this inclement season they had still many hundred miles to traverse before they should reach the main course of the missouri and their route would lay over immense prairies naked and bleak and destitute of fuel the question then was where to choose their wintering place and whether or not to proceed further down the river they had at first imagined it to be one of the headwaters or tributary streams of the missouri afterwards they had believed it to be the rapid or quicor river in which opinion they had not come nearer to the truth they now however were persuaded with equal fallacy by its inclining somewhat to the north of east that it was the cheyenne if so by continuing down it much further they must arrive among the indians from whom the river takes its name among these they would be sure to meet some of the sioux tribe these would appraise their relatives the piratical sioux of the missouri of the approach of a band of white traders so that in the springtime they would be likely to be waylaid and robbed on their way down the river by some party in ambush upon its banks even should this prove to be the quicor or rapid river it would not be prudent to winter much further down upon its banks as though they might be out of the range of the sioux they would be in the neighbourhood of the pankas a tribe nearly as dangerous it was resolved therefore since they must winter somewhere on this side of the missouri to descend no lower but to keep up in these solitary regions where they would be in no danger of molestation they were brought the more promptly and unanimously to this decision by coming upon an excellent wintering place that promised everything requisite for their comfort it was on a fine bend of the river just below where it issued out from among a ridge of mountains and bent towards the northeast here was a beautiful low point of land covered by cottonwood and surrounded by a thick growth of willow so as to yield both shelter and fuel as well as materials for building the river swept by in a strong current about a hundred and fifty yards wide to the southeast were mountains of moderate height the nearest about two miles off but the whole chain ranging to the east south and southwest 
as far as the eye could reach their summits were crowned with extensive tracts of pitch pine checkered with small patches of the quivering aspen lower down were thick forests of firs and red cedars growing out in many places from the very fissures of the rocks the mountains were broken and precipitous with huge bluffs protruding from among the forests their rocky recesses and beetling cliffs afforded retreats to innumerable flocks of the bighorn while their woody summits and ravines abounded with bears and black-tailed deer these with the numerous herds of buffalo that ranged the lower grounds along the river promised the travellers abundant cheer in their winter quarters on the second of november therefore they pitched their camp for the winter on the woody point and their first thought was to obtain a supply of provisions ben jones and the two canadians accordingly sallied forth accompanied by two others of the party leaving but one to watch the camp their hunting was uncommonly successful in the course of two days they killed thirty-two buffaloes and collected their meat on the margin of a small brook about a mile distant fortunately a severe frost froze the river so that the meat was easily transported to the encampment on a succeeding day a herd of buffalo came trampling through the woody bottom on the river banks and fifteen more were killed it was soon discovered however that there was game of a more dangerous nature in the neighbourhood on one occasion mr crooks had wandered about a mile from the camp and had ascended a small hill commanding a view of the river he was without his rifle a rare circumstance for in these wild regions where one may put up a wild animal or a wild indian at every turn it is customary never to stir from the camp-fire unarmed the hill where he stood overlooked the place where the massacre of the buffalo had taken place as he was looking around on the prospect his eye was caught by an object below moving directly towards him to his dismay he discovered it to be a grizzly bear with two cubs there was no tree at hand into which he could climb to run would only be to provoke pursuit and he should soon be overtaken he threw himself on the ground therefore and lay motionless watching the movements of the animal with intense anxiety it continued to advance until at the foot of the hill when it turned and made into the woods having probably gorged itself with buffalo flesh mr crooks made all haste back to the camp rejoicing at his escape and determining never to stir out again without his rifle a few days after this circumstance a grizzly bear was shot in the neighbourhood by mr miller as the slaughter of so many buffaloes had provided the party with beef for the winter in case they met with no further supply they now set to work heart and hand to build a comfortable wigwam in a little while the woody promontory rang with the unwonted sound of the axe some of its lofty trees were laid low and by the second evening the cabin was complete it was eight feet wide and eighteen feet long the walls were six feet high and the whole was covered with buffalo skins the fireplace was in the centre and the smoke found its way out by a hole in the roof the hunters were next sent out to procure deer skins for garments moccasins and other purposes they made the mountains echo with their rifles and in the course of two days hunting killed twenty-eight bighorns and black-tailed deer the party now revelled in abundance after all that they had suffered from hunger 
cold fatigue and watchfulness after all their perils from treacherous and savage men they exulted in the snugness and security of their isolated cabin hidden as they thought even from the prying eyes of indian scouts and stored with creature comforts and they looked forward to a winter of peace and quietness of roasting and boiling and broiling and feasting upon venison and mountain mutton and bear's meat and marrow bones and buffalo humps and other hunters dainties and of dozing and reposing around their fire and gossiping over past dangers and adventures and telling long hunting stories until spring should return when they would make canoes of buffalo skins and float themselves down the river from such halcyon dreams they were startled one morning at daybreak by a savage yell they started up and seized their rifles the yell was repeated by two or three voices cautiously peeping out they beheld to their dismay several indian warriors among the trees all armed and painted in warlike style being evidently bent on some hostile purpose miller changed countenance as he regarded them we are in trouble said he these are some of the rascally arapahes that robbed me last year not a word was uttered by the rest of the party but they silently slung their powder horns and ball pouches and prepared for battle mcclellan who had taken his gun to pieces the evening before put it together in all haste he proposed that they should break out the clay from between the logs so as to be able to fire upon the enemy not yet replied stuart it will not do to show fear or distrust we must first hold a parley someone must go out and meet them as a friend who was to undertake the task it was full of peril as the envoy might be shot down at the threshold the leader of a party said miller always takes the advance good replied stuart i am ready he immediately went forth one of the canadians followed him the rest of the party remained in the garrison to keep the savages in check stuart advanced holding his rifle in one hand and extending the other to the savage that appeared to be the chief the latter stepped forward and took it his men followed his example and all shook hands with stuart in token of friendship they now explained their errand they were a war party of arapahoe braves their village lay on a stream several days journey to the eastward it had been attacked and ravaged during their absence by a band of crows who had carried off several of their women and most of their horses they were in quest of vengeance for sixteen days they had been tracking the crows about the mountains but had not yet come upon them in the meantime they had met with scarcely any game and were half famished about two days previously they had heard the report of firearms among the mountains and on searching in the direction of the sound had come to a place where a deer had been killed they immediately put themselves upon the track of the hunters and by following it up had arrived at the cabin stuart now invited the chief and another who appeared to be his lieutenant into the hut but made signs that no one else was to enter the rest halted at the door others came straggling up until the whole party to the number of twenty-three were gathered before the hut they were armed with bows and arrows tomahawks and scalping knives and some few with guns 
all were painted and dressed for war and had a wild and fierce appearance mr miller recognized among them some of the very fellows who had robbed him in the preceding year and put his comrades on their guard every man stood ready to resist the first act of hostility the savages however conducted themselves peaceably and showed none of that swaggering arrogance which a war party is apt to assume on entering the hut the chief and his lieutenant cast a wistful look at the rafters laden with venison and buffalo meat mr stewart made a merit of necessity and invited them to help themselves they did not wait to be pressed the rafters were soon eased of their burden venison and beef were passed out to the crew before the door and a scene of gormandizing commenced of which few can have an idea who have not witnessed the gastronomic powers of an indian after an interval of fasting this was kept up throughout the day they paused now and then it is true for a brief interval but only to return to the charge with renewed ardour the chief and the lieutenant surpassed all the rest in the vigour and perseverance of their attacks as if from their station they were bound to signalize themselves in all onslaughts mr stewart kept them well supplied with choice bits for it was his policy to overfeed them and keep them from leaving the hut where they served as hostages for the good conduct of their followers once only in the course of the day did the chief sally forth mr stewart and one of his men accompanied him armed with their rifles but without betraying any distrust the chieftain soon returned and renewed his attack upon the larder in a word he and his worthy coadjutor the lieutenant ate until they were both stupefied towards evening the indians made their preparations for the night according to the practice of war parties those outside of the hut threw up two breastworks into which they retired at a tolerably early hour and slept like overfed hounds as to the chief and his lieutenant they passed the night in the hut in the course of which they two or three times got up to eat the travellers took turns one at a time to mount guard until the morning scarce had the day dawned when the gormandizing was renewed by the whole band and carried on with surprising vigour until ten o'clock when all prepared to depart they had six days journey yet to make they said before they should come up with the crows who they understood were encamped on a river to the northward their way lay through a hungry country where there was no game they would moreover have but little time to hunt they therefore craved a small supply of provisions for their journey mr stewart again invited them to help themselves they did so with keen forethought loading themselves with the choicest parts of the meat and leaving the late plenteous larder far gone in a consumption their next request was for a supply of ammunition having guns but no powder and ball they promised to pay magnificently out of the spoils of their foray we are poor now said they and are obliged to go on foot but we shall soon come back laden with booty and all mounted on horseback with scalps hanging at our bridles we will then give each of you a horse to keep you from being tired on your journey well said mr stewart when you bring the horses you shall have the ammunition but not before 
the indians saw by his determined tone that all further entreaty would be unavailing so they desisted with a good-humoured laugh and went off exceedingly well freighted both within and without promising to be back again in the course of a fortnight no sooner were they out of hearing than the luckless travellers held another council the security of their cabin was at an end and with it all their dreams of a quiet and cosy winter they were between two fires on one side were their old enemies the crows on the other side the arapahes no less dangerous freebooters as to the moderation of this war party they considered it assumed to put them off their guard against some more favourable opportunity for a surprisal it was determined therefore not to await their return but to abandon with all speed this dangerous neighbourhood from the accounts of their recent visitors they were led to believe though erroneously that they were upon the quicor or rapid river they proposed now to keep along it to its confluence with the missouri but should they be prevented by the rigours of the season from proceeding so far at least to reach a part of the river where they might be able to construct canoes of greater strength and durability than those of buffalo skins accordingly on the thirteenth of december they bade adieu with many a regret to their comfortable quarters where for five weeks they had been indulging the sweets of repose of plenty and of fancied security they were still accompanied by their veteran pack-horse which the arapahes had omitted to steal either because they intended to steal him on their return or because they thought him not worth stealing End of chapter 49